Today's guest, Gary Peel, has played several years with the Sammy Hagar Band and Boston. He is a lead guitarist and a gentleman. He is currently part of Supergroup Trio Alliance with former guest Robert Berry on lead vocals, keyboards, and bass, and future guest, also a member of the Sammy Hagar Band, drummer David Lauser. I'm Bruce Hilliard, and you're listening to the Better Each Day podcast radio show. Welcome to the Better Each Day podcast radio show with Bruce Hilliard. Today and every day, reaching out for innovative ideas in every way. Today's show is brought to you by your future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. What caught my eye was I saw that you played with Boston. Uh-huh. What in the heck was that like? That must have been something working with Tom Scholes and all. Yes, well, and that is still ongoing. <laughs> I'm still in the band. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, we um, did four years in a row, uh, 2014, 15, 16, 17, uh, out on the road. Uh, and then uh, Tom said, uh, gosh, let's take a break for a little while. Because uh, actually the band has never toured that much four years in a row. No. So uh, we're taking a break. So we took off last year, and we're not going to tour this year, but I hope we go out again next year. Who's on lead vocals now? Tommy DiCarlo. And it's, you must have not have seen the band, or maybe you've never seen the band. I don't know. I have. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, obviously, back when Brad was in the group. Yes. So, uh-huh. so uh, I don't know how much you want to get into that. Uh, but uh, Brad, of course, sadly took his own life yeah. uh, in 2007. And uh, my theory is that is because he had a concussion. And, of course, we now know so much more about that than we did, you know, those 10, whatever, 12 years ago. Uh, supposedly, uh, you know, you're 10 times more likely to take your own life if you've had a concussion. And, of course, they're seeing that in, uh, uh, you know, NFL football players because yeah. they, you know, keep button heads, uh, you know, all, all day long. You know, that's their job. Right? Yeah. And, and the same thing happened with the lead singer from In Excess. Uh, he hit his head on the semantic sidewalk or something. Uh, three months later, he took his own life. So it's like, oh, but again, back then, we just didn't know anything about it. Uh, the circumstances were that, uh, Brad had a motorcycle and was in a small motorcycle accident. Uh, we were actually rehearsing. This was uh, like December 2006. We were rehearsing to do a special one-off show as a tribute to Doug Flutie. And I don't know if you know who he Oh, is. yeah. F- football. Guy, Absolutely. Right? Boston College. He played in Canada for years. He was like the uh, Michael exactly. Jordan of football players in Canada. Exactly, yeah. So anyway, uh, the town of Boston was uh, doing a tribute to him because, uh, you know, he has a son that has uh, autism. Yeah. And so he's done a lot for that charity. <clears throat> anyway, so they were doing a tribute for him, and apparently Boston was one of his favorite bands. And so they asked us if we'd play, and we said, absolutely, sure, I'd be glad to. So anyway, <laughs> try to make this long story shorter. Oh, it's a great story. Uh, so uh, one day, Brad walks into rehearsal, and it, his baby fingers <clears throat> kind of bandaged up and said, no, what, what happened to you? He said, oh, you know, my motorcycle, you know, I, I took a spill. And he said, you know, I wasn't going fast at all. I was coming up to a stop sign 
and there were some wet leaves on the road, and I hit them, and the bike slid out from underneath me. And, uh, you know, I, I, the next thing I know, I woke up in the hospital, and uh, his helmet was cracked. So, man, he must have really oh, taken yeah. a hit to have, to have his helmet cracked. But, again, he seemed perfectly fine. You know, he had to get, like, three stitches on his baby finger, right? You figure, oh, no problem, you mm. know. And uh, we didn't think anything about it. But, you know, he was kind of never the same. After that, three months later, he took his own life, unfortunately. So, uh, again, now we're finding out so much more about concussions and, and the aftermath and how it affects your brain. And Anyway, very sad story. Yeah, tragic story. It's good they're making progress on that. You know, I, I talked to uh, Robert Berry, um, a great yeah. lead vocalist you're working with, as you well know. And and he worked with Keith Emerson, and same kind of deal, kind of out of the blue. I, I don't think anybody ever sees it coming, and the, the tragic right. stories every time. And, and I think we all kind of sit and try to figure out why, why, you know, why did that happen? Sure. There's the, yeah, sure. It's the riddle for which there is no answer. But I, I've yeah. never I've never heard the concussion thing, and... and uh, I guess that kind of helps. I, I heard him on an interview, actually. There's a recording of an interview he did, like, the day before. Uh-huh. Uh, he sounded fine, but you never know. Exactly, yeah. You know, he seemed completely fine. You know, was always one of the nicest guys I ever knew, you know. And uh, so, whatever, he, he hid it well, I guess, that his uh, internal troubles there. What an awesome but, singer. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, we were, uh, you know, of course, at, at the time, uh, Tom thought, well, that's it, you know, Boston's done, you know, how could you replace a guy like Brad Delp, you yeah. know? But somebody sent us a link to Tommy DiCarlo's MySpace page uh, at the time, because yeah. uh, Tommy was just a fan of Boston and had sung some of our songs, you know, like karaoke style, whatever, you know, sang along with the songs. And uh, Tom heard that and said, "Oh my gosh, that, that that's that guy sounds amazing. Let's you know call him up and uh, see what he's doing." And Tommy had never been in a band in his life. He was just doing this for fun. You know, he worked at Home Depot, right? And uh, so I'm sure when the, whoever called him, you know, said, "Okay, this is Boston. We want you to come audition." He probably was thinking. Billy, is this you? Who is exactly. this really? Come on. You know. Who the hell's doing this? No, no, really. It's Boston. You know, we're gonna, <laughs> we want you to come up here to try out. And uh, again, fantastic singer. Never been in a band, but uh, terrific. And of course, nicest guy. You know, it's, he's great to work with and uh, has really grown into the position. And he seems like such, a, you know, like the guy next door. You know, I mean, one of the, you know, the old saying about, a guy you'd want to sit down and have a beer with. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's he's that guy. You know, he's just as normal as could be. You know, and, and uh, what a story. Married yeah, from, couple, from yeah, the married couple of kids. You know, just just the guy next door. Cool. From the paint section of Home Depot to one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time. That's that happens all the time. You know. <laughs> God. Right. Yeah. That's a fun story. Now, now my my <laughs> path to Boston was a a little longer. Uh, in 77, I joined Sammy Hagar's band, mm -hmm. and almost one of the first gigs we did was to open up for Boston at the end of their first tour. Uh, our manager knew their manager, and then uh, they liked us, we liked them, and, and they said, hey, you guys should open the entire second tour for us, and that's just what we did, 78 through 79. So we got to know the guys pretty well, uh, and again, great time opening for them. 
Uh, but then in 85, when Sammy got the call to join Van Halen, Van Tom Scholz called me and said, hey, I heard you're out of a gig. Would you come back here and play on our, the last song on the third stage album? You know, we have one more song to be recorded. Uh, you know, would you want to come back and play on it? Of course, I said, absolutely, sure. You know, I always loved the band. And, you know, I'm out of work, so what have I got to lose? You did, know? did all that happen, uh, like, in the course of a day or two, or how'd that go? Well, uh, so, of course, we had planned this, so he called, whatever, a few weeks before our last show. Oh, I see. Which was Farm Aid, Illinois, in, you know, in, in Farm, Farm Aid 1 yeah. in Champaign, Illinois. And uh, so I left directly from there to Boston to start working with Tom, and... After I'd been there for a couple of weeks working on the song, he said, you know, I think we work well together. Why don't you move back here? We'll finish the album. We'll go on tour and who knows what. You know, well, of course, I'm still here. But, I mean, how lucky could a guy get? You know, I wasn't out of work for a day. You know? Yeah, it's unbelievable. But, You're the guy next door, though. You're, you're probably a really easy guy to work with, so it pays off, you know? Well, I, I hope so. And I, I try to be the, the team player, you know, uh, that... Because, you know, being in a band is like being on a team. You know, you all got to start and stop at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And you certainly have to get along, you know, because, you know, you're living with these guys on a bus or a car or a plane or train or anything, you know, for uh, nine months out of the year or something. So, yeah, you definitely have to be able to get along. <laughs> uh, but uh, just before I left, you know, for Boston, uh, Sammy, of course, told us, hey, uh, you know, I got an offer I can't refuse from Van Halen, but you guys are such a great band. All you need is a singer plug him in and you're ready to go so we were on geffen records at the time and that's how we met robert barry they had recommended him to us uh robert had just worked with keith emerson of course yeah and uh so but i you know again i jumped ship in the meantime so it didn't quite all get together but after boston's third stage tour uh in 87 tom came to us and said well it's going to be a few years before the next Boston album is done. So if anybody has any other side projects they want to do, go ahead. So I called up David Lauser and Alan Fitzgerald, of course, our keyboard player from Sammy's band, mm. and asked them if they wanted to, uh, to you know, do a side project. And both of them said, yeah, sure. And as a matter of fact, uh, you know, we were introduced to this guy, Robert Barry, through Geffen. And uh, let's give him a call. So we... Uh, called him up and actually met in Sammy Hager's home studio and uh, we showed him some of our song ideas and he had a bunch of ideas and we just clicked you know I mean he just seemed like just like us he was the brother we never had you know cool and uh, so we've been together ever since although as you know not very often because <laughs> we're so busy with our other projects uh, Fitz of course was in Night Ranger and busy with that uh, Dave's been, been doing a bunch of session stuff as well as back with Sammy on and off over the years and Robert as you know it's got uh, always has a million irons in the fire there well Sammy has a, like a talk show an interview show now that I see uh, when I'm at a home that has dish satellite systems because I don't have it at home but it's pretty fascinating seeing what he's doing there and, and he's kind of a crazy guy he looks like a really fun guy to be around was he fun to work with Absolutely, and yeah, what you see is what you get with Sammy. <laughs> the Red Rock. Always in a good, yeah, always in a good mood. <laughs> of course, great musician, and uh, he made it fun for us. I was in his band eight years, and and every year he'd say, "And next year's going to be even better," and it was. Oh, you know, wow. Every year we had 
better record sales and bigger places to play. And, and so, yeah, every year was better and better. And that's why, you know, at the end, he said, oh, man, we, we were really on a roll. We had, you know, videos on MTV. Our, our last record went platinum. It's like, you know, we were doing well. <laughs> so he said, I, I hate to leave, but, you know, it's an offer I can't refuse. And so, sorry, I got to go. You have an amazing resume. How did that get started? Were you just at the right place at the right time? I know you're a great player. And you're obviously a great guy, but it just uh, an unfurled in an unlikely way, I think. Yes. Uh, again, I'll tell you a couple of things that uh, have helped me over the years that I pass on to young musicians when they, they ask me, like, well, how'd you get that gig in Sammy's band? Because that was really, you know, mm. obviously joining the Sammy's group, and they already had a record label, you know, and the deal, and, you know, we went on tour right away, you know. So uh, and it, the, the way that happened was, uh, I was in a local band in the San Francisco Bay Area, there where I lived, and we were looking for a singer, and we had heard that Sammy had just left Montrose, mm. and so somehow somebody gave us his number, we, we called him up and said, hey, you know, we're looking for a singer, and he said, well, I, you know, I just signed this record deal, but I got a band already, and but I need to do some gigs, I kind of want to break him in, uh, so let me do some gigs with you guys. So we actually did a couple of shows together, where he opened for us, uh, and we, you know, got to know him at least a little bit there. And our band had been together about four years and about to break up because we just couldn't get a record deal and it wasn't quite happening for us. And uh, so our manager said, gee, why don't you join Sammy's band? And I said, well, he's been through about six guitar players, you know. <laughs> uh, why should I join? He'll just kick me out in a couple of weeks, you know. But uh, he said, no, give him a call. He's a great guy. So I, I called him up and and one of the first things he said was, Hey, Peel, are you into drugs? I said, Well, no, why? And he said, Man, why don't you come down to jam with us and see how it goes? You know? So I go down to jam slash audition for him. And while I'm there, uh, Sammy's manager called and so said, Hey, there was a gig uh, with Queen and Thin Lizzy. Queen had to cancel. Thin Lizzy's going to headline. You guys could be the opening act if you have a guitar player. <laughs> so here I am. You know, Sammy turns to me. And said, hey, can you be ready in two days? And I said, yeah, sure, oh, I yeah. can do it. <laughs> what you got? So yeah. I go home and practice all the songs, you know, and did the gig. And uh, it actually went well. And we got a nice review from the, <laughs> the show. And I was saying goodbye to the guys afterwards, you know, like figuring, well, they just, you know, had me fill in for this show or something. And But uh, Bill Church, the bass player, said, no, 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 you're in the band. This is it. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, nobody really told me. <laughs> cool. So that's it. Yep. I was in the right place at the right time. Well, there was a pivotal, spot where, he, pivotal spot where he said, we're going to play in a couple of days, are you going to be ready? And you said, oh, yeah, sure, I'll be ready. So, yeah, I can do that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's a, a classic lead guitar answer. Have you heard the, the joke, how many, <laughs> how many lead guitar players does it take to screw in a light bulb? One to screw, yeah, yeah, how many? One to screw it in and one to say, I can do that. Better. Yeah. Better, yeah. Do that better. Yeah. So, there. Yeah. All the rest of my jokes are drummer jokes. That's the only lead guitar player I know. Lead guitar yeah. joke I know. Or, or faster, one or the other. Yeah, fa so, there you go. I get paid by yeah. the note. In fact, uh, during our set, back in the days there, uh, there was a point in the in the show where uh, Sammy would say, Okay, Peel, I know you've been waiting for this. 
let's have a little guitar battle right now on stage. You know, the band is doing, 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 you know, <laughs> we're playing bad motor scooter. He says, okay, you take your best shot, and then I'll take my best shot. We'll go. You know, so we start, you know, trading off solos, you know, one after the other, uh-huh. back and forth. And, and uh, people afterwards would say, wow. You guys like really mad. You like try to now forget. <laughs> just all for fun. You know? Absolutely. So some some days he says, "Oh, you beat me." And other days he says, "Hey, hey I smoked you tonight." You know. <laughs> and you're playing bad motor scooter, and you're supposed to be saying, "Well, Ronnie Matros could have been up there, and then we would have had a battle." Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And wow, Ronnie was a terrific player. Yeah. Whatever happened to him? Took his own life. I didn't know that. Jeez. Yeah. Hate to say it. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you know, Gary, I don't know if I want to play with you. Just, you just have... yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> bad luck for a lot of guys. Well, we have a sense of humor, too, I guess, about that. But, oh, yeah, it boy. sounds like you're the kiss of death. So. Yeah, yeah. In that way. Fire and Grace, what an awesome solo on that. The whole song's really cool, but... Oh, uh, well, thanks. You, you, you know, it. I, I wish this, that our fans could be in the studio with us, because that was one of those songs that was... Again, the magic happened for us that I had a guitar riff idea. Robert had some words and a melody. David came up with that cool groove on the drums. And so we, we started playing, and it just happened in the studio. That was it. One take. Done. Oh, no way. Yeah. And, and, uh, but that's, that's what happens sometimes. And, and again, that's the fun part about being in the studio and working with a band. You know, these days you can send files back and forth, you know, email or whatever. Yeah. But there's, we don't want to do it that way. <laughs> Again, we're old school. We we want to be in the same room at the same time. You're looking at the guy. You got the amp cranked up, and you're playing, and stuff happens, you know. And sometimes you didn't plan it that way. But uh, hey, that's where that break is, or we hit this accent or something, you know. You could that, hear the spontaneity, and that's that's what you can't do. Sending MP3s back and forth or something like that. Spontaneity in the that, room at the same time. I, you, you're entirely right. I think that's that's just awesome, and yeah. it it does sound like that. You start out with a twelve string. Yes, if I'm not uh, mistaken. That I put on later. <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, for the uh, initial track, this in fact, it's still in there. My initial uh, six string is still in there. Uh, but I, I did add a 12-string on top of it.
what a cool song it's three minutes and 27 seconds of kick-ass rock i like it <laughs> well thanks yeah again that's that's the fun part about working with those guys and of course i i had played with uh dave all those years in sammy's band and robert and dave and i are also in another band i don't know if robert told you about it no called december people Oh, okay, yeah, okay. He was talking about that. There's some like a parodies on Christmas songs done to a rock exactly. flavor. Yeah, exactly. We take you know it was his idea, of course, <laughs> and uh, we take traditional holiday songs and but do them in the styles of our favorite rock bands. So we'll do Santa Claus is coming to town like ZZ Top. <laughs> you better watch out. You better not cry. And Led Zeppelin, ACDC, you know, U2, Huey Lewis, Santana, the list goes on and on and on. Again, every song sounds like a different band doing it. But again, it's all holiday songs that you've all grown up with and you can sing along. Yeah, and they're meant to be fun, so what the heck, you know. That's right, and so it's very family-friendly, and uh, every show we do is a benefit for a local food bank, usually. So it's it's a great thing to do at that time of year to give back and uh, yeah we we love doing that. That's so cool. Another song that I fell in love with. I listened to your whole album several times and it's one oh. of the best albums I've heard in a long time. Nobody really does good albums anymore. It's like a a dead art or something. But time. <laughs> well, thanks for saying that. Time, time is the yeah. name of the song and I love how it it gets to the chorus and it has this descending bass line kind of thing. It's just really catchy. I really like that.
I used to talk with the Janine I'd throw in some history Kept each word I spoke Carefully placed and guarded And my course was clear Now as I'm sitting here Yeah, uh, again, I, I'm just thrilled to be working with uh, Robert and Dave. You know, they're such great musicians and so intuitive. And again, uh, so much in the moment. Like, you know, here's, you know, try this and do that. And as we're in the studio, you know, no egos involved. Yeah. You know, uh, if somebody has an idea, like Dave, the drummer, is telling me, you know, he said, "Hey, try to strum the guitar like this, and then hit this chord on minor instead of major." And, you know, he's the drummer, but I know that whatever it is, he's got something, some cool idea in mm -hmm. his head. And so I try it, you know, and yeah. So, yeah, we don't, <laughs> no egos are, are getting in the way here. Yeah, that would do nothing but mess things up, I think, when that happens. Yeah. Who does the writing? Do you guys just, the way you describe it, you kind of share in the writing? Somebody has an idea and you just take off with it? Robert is the most prolific. So, uh, but... On this particular album, uh, I wrote two of the songs. Dave wrote two songs. And then, as I say, Fire and Grace was a collaboration of all three of us, just on the spot. Uh, and then the rest were written by Robert. Good stuff. I'm really, uh, really impressed. Oh, well, thanks. And I was going to say the other side of it is that uh, all the lyrics, or most of them, uh, have a positive message. You know, there's so much negativity in the world these days that... You know, we wanted to write positive songs, of, you know, about people's struggle to overcome, to do the right thing, and, and uh, I hope that comes across as well. Yeah, yeah, that is much needed. Uh, these, yeah. these days aren't as happy as I wish. I'm reading yeah. your, your bio here. It says, I grew up thinking that being in a band would be the coolest thing ever. No. Here's the question. I asked this recently of somebody, and I didn't really phrase it very well, but would you rather have a, a really cool car or a band that's just ready to go? <laughs> yeah, no question about it, the band. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the best, yeah. Uh, and, you know, who knows why exactly. Uh, you know, I'm old enough. Uh, I was in a band before the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. So, because a lot of guys say, oh, you know, I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, and that was it. That changed my life. You always you know, hear I that. wanted to be in a band. Yeah. But, well, yeah, yeah, I'm old enough. No, I, I was in a band before then, before I saw the Beatles on TV. What was your band, and what did you play? 
Oh, now back back then we were doing surf music. I, I lived in California, <laughs> okay. So we're doing instrumentals, you know, Dwayne Eddy and Dick Ventures, Dale. And those, yeah, those were my favorite guys. And uh, and then when I got into high school, I was in a band, uh, of course, in high school. And one of the other players in the band said, "Hey, there's this guy giving guitar lessons in the next town over. He's really good. We should all take lessons from him." So we went to check him out. We actually saw his band, the Warlocks, play oh, at a local pizza parlor. Jerry Garcia. And that was Jerry Garcia's <laughs> no <way>. us lessons. <laughs> wow. You've been everywhere. <laughs> Again, just lucky to be in the right place at the right time. When's your bi- biography come out? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my wife keeps telling me this. You know, you should write this stuff down. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, it's a crazy world, you know. Uh, You and I know who Jerry Garcia is, but, you know, you mentioned Jerry Garcia to teenagers, and they said, oh, who's that? Oh, yeah. So I I don't know if, I mean, again, some of us old folks would know who that was, but, you know, maybe the younger people don't and don't really care. You know, they got their own uh, heroes. They do, and they come and go so quickly, I can't keep track of them. Uh, I've... Yeah, um, I probably know more from the era that you were speaking of prior to Beatles than than I do of music that's come out in the past five years or something like that. Oh yeah, e- easily. Yeah, when I hear new songs on the radio, I have to ask my kids, "Hey, who is that?" You know, and they, they'll tell me because they know. But because uh, uh, you know, sometimes of course the radio stations don't tell you who it is; they're just on to the next song. So, yeah. and again, sometimes they don't last very long on the radio. No, and the bands don't either. The artists don't. And I've heard people say, well, are there any iconic musicians anymore? And uh, yeah. I don't know. I, it seems like it you know, kind of I, faded away. I think Dave, yeah, Dave Grohl, he's yeah. got to be up there. As, you know, uh, what, what a career he's had. That's funny because it was an interview where this question came up and it was <clears throat> Dan Rather that was talking. And he, of oh. course, does an interview show too with Yes. Rock musicians, country musicians, you name it. But they're mostly pop-type oriented musicians. And he said the only iconic band he could think of from of recent time was Nirvana. And you just came up with Dave Grohl. Yeah. So that's kind of like, kind of a, makes it double iconic, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I think Dave is really focused. He's done a lot since Nirvana. And, oh, yeah. And the funny thing is he's not the drummer in his band, which he was with Nirvana. Yeah. So. Exactly. First time I saw my guitar, I said, wait, he's the drummer, right? (laughs) (laughs) What's that, you know? So, yeah, he's got a lot of talent. And uh, as Robert Berry, he plays all instruments, you know, drums, keys, guitar, bass, you know, yeah. Yeah, he's fun to talk to. I really enjoyed talking with him. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, I could take your entire day up. We've been yakking for about 26 minutes, but that's plenty. I can can edit all this stuff out, but... uh, God, you're an incredible player. Uh, well, thank you so much. Do you uh, spend a lot of time with scales and doing icky stuff, or you just basically pull it out of the case and start going? You know, uh, I I don't <laughs> study as much technical stuff as I perhaps should. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm I'm the kind of guy that uh, tries to play to the song. So as I'm working on a song idea or a guitar riff or whatever. That's kind of what I'm going for, and again, certainly with Alliance, uh, that's you know that's what we do. And, and in fact, Robert even says that he said, "Well, do that Gary Peel thing you do to this song, <laughs> where you know I, I'll try to play a riff, uh, so it's not just chords, uh. 
and not just a single line, but you know, like two notes at a time, sort of thing, the yeah. double stop thing. And he said, "Yeah, that's that stuff you do. That you know, nobody else does it quite like you do it." You know. And so it's signature so, Gary Peel. Play some Gary Peel. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll let me see if you I know, can. I, I've, I've loved my uh, place in Boston, and of course, those are Tom's songs and uh, his sound. Of course, he designed the amplifiers that we're using on stage, even. Yeah. And I, I love working with that. But with Alliance, you know, I, I want my own sound and and uh, style. In fact, I even built my own tube amp, tube guitar amp, to play on this last uh, album here. Because, I, I, again, I wanted my own sound, so nobody else in the world has that sound, because I built that amp, you know. Yeah, that's so cool. And, and you would think you'd detect some Tom Scholes in your playing, and no, it sounds like you. So, oh, good. Mission yeah. accomplished. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Tom, and, and I love being Tom's, uh, you know, harmony player in the band. Yeah, obviously, we're doing a lot of those harmony guitar solos together and all that. And and I've I've certainly learned a lot from him about just how to play and and uh, uh, you know just musically. Uh, and of course, when they put together those lists of 100 greatest guitar players of all time, he's on there. Mm. But he's also on the list of 100 greatest keyboard players. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. Chris, and there's nobody else in the world that's on both those lists. <laughs> and, and then you throw in, you know, 100 greatest rock songs of all time. Well, he wrote more than a feeling and all those other great songs, and you know, produced the record again, designed the amplifiers we're, we use on stage. So he's a really special guy. And he didn't start out at Home Depot, but he started out at what Polaroid or? Right. Yeah. <laughs> was it? He was a mechanical engineer at Polaroid. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, and but bought some recording equipment uh, and set it up in his basement, and recorded the first Boston album in his basement. And when other people found out about that, that was the whole. I think the beginning of the, that home recording revolution. So well, if that guy can do it and have the biggest selling debut album ever yeah. up to that point, maybe we could do it too. And so, uh, man, you know, so these days, of course, you can record an album on your laptop computer. Yeah. Digital made it a little bit easier, but analog to me still sounds better. But to think, yeah. to think of him in a little basement, did he, he did drums too, didn't he? Uh, he didn't play them, no. Okay. Uh, the that first album were were uh, actually was two guys. The first guy he had that he had done a bunch of demos with was Jim Mazdia, and Jim's tracks are uh, rock and roll band and shoot I'm forgetting the other one from the first album. Yeah. And then he brought in uh, Sib Hashin for the rest of the tracks. But yeah, just but he played everything else. Played again keys, bass, the rhythm guitars, and all that. Did all that stuff in his basement, and it, it wasn't until he needed to uh, go on tour that he hired the other guys. Of course, Brad, obviously Brad was with him yeah. uh, doing the demos. But yeah, he then hired the other guys uh, to start touring. The thought of doing all the intricacies and all this stuff in a basement with just you and all these chords and guitars and stuff in the way, most people would go out of their minds. And to listen to that and how free and how wonderful it sounds like it's in this great studio with all these engineers and all this stuff, and it's just him. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Again, he's a special guy, and he's, uh, again, so dedicated and focused on what he's doing that, you know, he'll, he says he'll, he'll spend months working on a song and then say, you know, it's just not good enough and throw it away. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so... 
that's why it takes them a long time to finish albums. Well, I am so stoked to see Alliance doing some stuff that just, it reminds me of, it sounds like hard work and spontaneity. You guys play well together. It's, uh, well, thanks. It's, uh, and I hope we can do some shows this summer. Yeah. Uh, we keep talking about it. Now that, again, Boston isn't going to tour this summer, uh, but I don't know what uh, Dave, of course, uh, uh, Robert works with Greg Kinn, so I'm not sure what their schedule is, but we keep saying, yeah, let's see if we can do some dates somewhere, and we would love to do some, like a festival of some sort, or a few of those, either both here or in Europe, where they have, you know, 10 or 20 bands, and when the audience goes there, they know they're going to see some bands they've never seen before, because we're not very well known as Alliance. Yeah. So it, it'd be great to uh, have people see us on a, in a venue like that, where... No, they're just open to anything. You know, they're not expecting uh, anything special, you know, but uh, it'd be great to be on a show like that. That is pretty bold of you. You know, we were talking about your biography and all, all that you've done and everything, and you start out in another band called Alliance and might as well be a new guy, 20 years old, and you know, because nobody knows who yeah. you are. Other musicians R- do. Right. Yeah, it is like starting over, because, yeah, nobody knows who Alliance is. <laughs> yeah. Once they hear it, though, and it's a cool album cover, too. Oh, thanks. Did somebody, uh, was that painted specially for the album? or? Yes, uh, the folks from Escape Records uh, have an artist, and uh, they put that together. And it, it evolved a little bit along the way. Uh, you know, we put in some ideas and, and all that. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, I, I hope that, <laughs> I'm glad you like it, you know, because you never know. Art is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, well, it's all subjective, but when it's good, it's good, I think. Good, great. Well, thank you for your time, Gary. I'm going to let you get off and do what you need to do today, but I really appreciate talking to you, and uh, well, all good. Well, thanks so much for talking to us, and uh, uh, you're based in Seattle here, right? Correct, so if you're up in the neighborhood, I'm going to track you down. Yes. Yeah. Please, either with Alliance or Boston, love to have you, you know, give you tickets to the show and have a chance to shake your hand and meet you in person. Oh, uh, that would be more than a feeling. <laughs> see how they slip that in there. That's good. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Gary. All right. We'll see you. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.
listening to the Better Each Day podcast radio show with Bruce Hilliard. We'll be back with a new horizon, but until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. We're all just trying to make the next day a bit better.